You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to this, our final of the Ramadan uh, Embrace Conversations podcasts. And alhamdulillah, I've got a real um, special uh, show yet again organized for yourself with Sister Aisha Davis, mashallah, Davis. Mashallah, of course, the Davies name, uh, a famous name from Wales, mashallah. And um, the sister has been uh, making podcasts under the wing of um, the New Beginnings uh, organization, which, mashallah, has been supporting new Muslims too. Um, sister has been Muslim for, um, you know, about the same same time as myself, mashallah, um, over over a decade, mashallah, maybe mm-hmm. approaching the second, inshallah, may, may it be, I mean. And alhamdulillah, I was so eager to get uh, sister on because she's got so many brilliant things um, to say on, on Facebook, mashallah, and it's such a wide, wide uh, array of topics and uh, um, I just wanted a chat as well because we, I kind of corresponded somewhat as well online and mashallah to meet face to face it was brilliant so assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh welcome to the show walaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh thank you so much jazakallah khairan that was too much of an amazing overly amazing introduction jazakallah khair and um, yeah it's an absolute privilege and honour to be here so thank you for having me Oh, trust me, the pleasure is, is all ours, inshallah. Um, so, mashallah, um, what I was going to say was, uh, you know, we always start off a show talking about journey to Islam. You know, mashallah, uh, in a way, when I first thought of this show, I always thought, we'll just uh, not even do it. But there's so many interesting, nice stories as well. What, what was, uh, you know, what was your life like before you became Muslim? And, and what's, you know, how, what kind of uh, uh, approach did you come uh, into the religion from? Um, okay, so bismillah. Um, oh gosh, where do I begin? The thing is, every time I tell my story, there's always mm-hmm. something new to add because yeah. it's all part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm actually Welsh, despite the very English accent. Um, I was born in Neath, South Wales, um, near Swansea, for anyone who doesn't know what ne- where Neath is. And um, at six years old, my mother decided to relocate to London after she, after she married my stepfather. Um, so we all moved up to London, hence why I speak the way I do. So, um, and then, yeah, so once we moved, that was my first introduction of meeting anyone who actually wasn't white, to be honest mm. with you, let alone Muslim. Uh-huh. Um, because where I'm from, a little tiny village called Skewing, it's just white people everywhere, maybe bar your Chinese uh, takeaway, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah, subhanAllah. So um, I was very quickly introduced to, to Muslims. Um, because where I lived in in London was East London and Mm -hmm. if anyone does or does not know East London it's extremely multicultural um, and it's got a large Muslim population alhamdulillah Um, and then yeah so a lot of my friends were Muslim one of my teachers was Pakistani he took us as part of RE to one of the local mosques which was the first mosque really I ever stepped foot into Mm. Um, and it was very different I noticed it was very different it was very plain and simple Mm. Um, you know alhamdulillah and then fast forward again to secondary school I was an ethnic minority in my school like literally Ah, yeah because where i went to school there we go is that better that's great that's great yeah sorry about that um okay so where i went to school i went to school in an area called forest gate and if anyone whoever doesn't know forest gate it's very south asian like you have very parallel to my school there's there's a road called green street 
And that's yeah. the area where everyone goes to get their Desi shopping. You know, you oh, get your oh, wow. Eid outfits from there, your wedding outfits from there. And so therefore, you know, me going to that school in the area, it's literally like spot the white girl. So which he pretty much was, which I have no issues with. I'm just explaining how it, it kind of uh, the dynamics of the whole thing. But you're quite different. It's clearly, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the main things that you're, you know, drawn on. It must have been quite um, had quite a big impact on you. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, as well, um, what I didn't realize then, what obviously I, I do now was the fact that I'm, I'm a very deep thinker. Um, so I remember, for example, I mean, the Aisha, well, I wasn't Aisha then, but you know, the Aisha back then or the girl back then was incredibly shy. You wouldn't think that now, um, <laughs> you know, incredibly shy, incredibly timid, had very low self-esteem, you know, I had been through the mill a lot in primary school and my home life as well. So a lot of stuff had happened to make me obviously be like that. Um, but yeah, I was very much drawn to Islam and even though, the you know my peers were very young mm -hmm. um they still had a reverence for their dean their religion which yeah. i found very interesting because it was mm -hmm. different to what i was used to growing up and seeing around me and, and even on tv with our peers of our you know cultural mm -hmm. or ethnic background um and i'll give you an example one of the things i do tell most of the time is the story of when we went to euro disney in year nine so for those out of the uk year nine usually means you're around about 14 15 years old and um, I don't do rides. I'm the biggest wimp going. Okay, so I will happily hold your handbag, your coat while everyone else goes on the ride. I will do that. Um, and so while everyone else went on space mountain, for example, there was me and two other girls who were Muslim walked around the park and we had a philosophical discussion. We had a um, oh, existential really discussion at 14. Yes, <laughs> oh, baby. I mean, I have to say, it's good myself as an RE teacher, it's, it's kind of the gold that I would hope it's happening, mashallah, but quite distinctive. I mean, do, do you remember that to this day? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, for example, I don't remember the entire conversation, but I do specifically remember I asked a question and I said something along the lines of, um, what if there's no God? Right. Mm -hmm. Simply put, what if there's no God? Uh, meaning, what's the point of you practicing Islam? That's really what I'm, I'm saying. Um, if there isn't a God, you know, after you die. And then I don't know what was said, but I do remember then answering, well, even if there wasn't a God, I'd be living my life in a better, cleaner way. And notice how I used the word clean. Mm -hmm. And I was 14. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And then I was heavily influenced. I started doing my own research. You know, I also, like I said, I was a deep thinker. So <laughs> I did think, you know, there's got to be more to life than going home from school, watching EastEnders, going to MSN at the time, and then coming back into school the next day. You know, there's more to life than that. Um, and then at 16, I made a conscious decision to become Muslim, but I didn't take my shahada until mm -hmm. I was 20. I see. So yeah. So it's quite, I mean, was was it quite uh like was it quite a gradual thing? So you decided, you know, you would become Muslim and you increased practice slowly, something like that? It was more doing research than anything else. And I was a little bit distracted, I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, no, uh there was a certain person in my life um at that time who mm. but there was hikma with that because that person kept me away from a lot of things as well. And actually, um, if I'm really frank with you, that person kept me here alive because it was all, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff going on in the background, which obviously I'm not talking about. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, subhanAllah. So, um, yeah, stuff. I've, I've, yeah, I've never been to a club. I've never been drunk. I've never smoked mm. a cigarette, mm -hmm. never really taken drugs. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me perfect, but I, I, I stayed away mm -hmm. from all of that. And I think that was because of the, 
the people I had around me yeah. at the time. Well, you're, you're quite grateful for that. And um, actually, I kind of like feel, that, you know, most people follow, let's say, the majority uh, culture, I think, on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, certainly the first person I've talked about that. Um, does that feel difficult at all? Has that ever felt difficult when you, when you become Muslim, the fact that you've not uh, experienced these things which are advertised to us? I mean, you know, you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pushed uh, as... Uh, desirable at times you know and so on and there's pressure for them have you ever felt that it was difficult the fact you hadn't no absolutely not if I'm Mm -hmm. honest with you no um I I think the thing is because I've never really the thing is what I should also say is is the fact that I never understood why people got drunk anyway Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I still don't get it to this day it boggles my mind Mm -hmm. I I don't understand why you would want to get to be colloquial off your face to not be able you know to be in a predicament where you are vulnerable Mm -hmm especially mm-hmm. if you're a woman, you know, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. And um, you don't know what you're doing. You don't remember what you, you know, especially if you're that kind of mm-hmm. drunk, you don't know, you know, you don't remember mm-hmm. what you said or done. And then to feel awful the next day, why would you want to do that for fun? I, I never understood that. So it didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't much of a, um, it wasn't something I had to kind of really get my head around leaving behind because I never really did it to begin yeah. with. Well, uh, it's quite interesting because I think the the alcohol thing, you know, mm. in a way, it's 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 like everybody knows all these things, uh, but there's so much of our culture which um, drives us to only socialise through alcohol, makes it an mm. absolute imperative. Even when you get older, as mm. you work, you know, there's the work nights out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, because of that, I think a lot of people when they become Muslim find themselves isolated from peers, mm. or at least you know it's like you switch a switch, you find out who your real friends are, you know who were just wanting to use you for, for drinking opportunities. Yeah. Did you find after you became Muslim, uh, you were twenty one? Did you say twenty? Twenty. Yeah. Well, you know, did you find that there was much change to your peer group? My peer group was pretty much South Asian. Mm. Um, like I mentioned, you know. I was one of very few white people anyway in my school. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the other girl that I was friends with, she lived in Essex. So mm-hmm. we grew apart and I didn't really like her anyway, but <laughs> mm-hmm. we grew apart and um, my best friends were Muslim apart mm-hmm. from, I, I did have a few Sikh friends. So mm-hmm. while some of them did do a few dodgy things as you do when you're kids, you know, no one's perfect. Generally speaking, I didn't have that culture around me. The only people that did that around me were maybe my, my family. Um, and even then it was out of the house they would go and do their own thing you know my mum would go to the pub after she would go to uni whatever she would do and it would be there it wouldn't be at home so I didn't have that influence around me anyway so there wasn't really anything to lose per se um, Mm -hmm. or people to lose per se amazing it's it's quite interesting you in a way slightly atypical as well you know I think Mm -hmm. it's quite such a familiar story you know Mm -hmm. people you know being being isolated through that yeah now um you know what you're talking about there uh you know feeling having moved communities mm. um uh you know being part of such a diverse community as well the first thing that you'd highlighted you wanted to you know to discuss and talk about was identity as well mm. um you know did you uh, you know what's your journey been with identity and becoming muslim has it been something that's actually been quite easy or has there been any struggles um oh, that's a good question i think the latter it's definitely not been easy I mean I think the reason why I decided to talk about identity because it's something that's not spoken about it's not I mean as converts or reverts whatever word you want to use you know um it's not something that's kind of discussed with a with a new Muslim or somebody coming into the dean 
it's almost my opinion this is all my opinion and my experiences and obviously there's vast majority and nuances with everybody's experiences but um for me I personally I'm just finding myself now and I've been Mm -hmm. Muslim for 16 years to the Hijri calendar tomorrow Mm -hmm. so um you know it's 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 been a journey and a half it it really has Mm -hmm. been a journey um I've gone through the whole becoming Salafi I don't know if I'm allowed to say that um <laughs> well I hope you know <laughs> no you um, are 100% are, yeah, sorry yeah. okay uh-huh. I've gone through the the very extreme and I've come back to the kind of the middle path if you like okay. and within that um there's the ethnic identity as well which I had to traverse so really yeah uh, yeah so for example you know, you, you kind of pushed and pulled from all directions. And obviously, like I mentioned, I was very much surrounded by the South Asian community, which I obviously have no issues with at all. Not at all. It's just that when certain communities kind of Im- almost imply that their culture or way of doing things is the way, that's when yeah. it becomes problematic. And mm. then you lose yourself because obviously when you first come, think about it. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about your story, but I took my shahadi when I was 20. Now, any 20-year-old doesn't really know who they are anyway, regardless of whether you're converting yeah. to any religion or not. You're still finding Absolutely. yourself, right? You, you're still, you know, you're still on a journey. Most people go to, you know, are, are in university or some kind of education or they go straight into work. They're learning all the time. You're still very young and yeah. impressionable. And then, you know, coupled in our, you know, cases or whatever it may be where, you know, we decide to change religions vis-a-vis a lifestyle, mm-hmm. Um you know you you literally don't know who you are again you're literally almost learning from scratch it's like learning to walk all over again Mm -hmm. and what we do as well as converts especially when we feel that zeal we feel that kind of fire in our belly so to speak we want to do what's best by Allah don't we even if actually what's what we do isn't what's best because all we want to do is please Allah so sometimes we end up with the irrational thinking that leads us to do things we may not want to do or have to do thinking it is the right way thing to do, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, 100%. I mean, you know, we've got so many ideas of what religious means, you know, from growing yeah. up, you know, uh, culturally, uh, from non-Muslim background and so on. And, uh, you know, it can involve um, extremities. It can mm-hmm. involve, you know, um, intensity and so on. Yeah, it's such a, a common thing uh, yeah. that uh, we get that burnout, you know, uh, when you become Muslim as well. And as you say, kind of like tied with identity as well. Mm-hmm. I think it must. I think it's quite difficult. Now, now here's another thing I've come to realize is, you know, almost like um, expecting to be comfortable with one's own identity is, is mm-hmm. perhaps a wee bit you know, too much, you know, it's mm-hmm. maybe not human, you know, we've always got these discomfort with who we are and this is changing based on situations so on. But mm-hmm. I think it is particularly difficult when you're becoming Muslim because, you know, first of all, you've got Islam, mm-hmm. which is, has been portrayed, although Islam has been at the heart of the culture in this part of the world for mm-hmm. century upon century upon century, you know, yeah. in discussions and dis- seeing another and, you know, etc. you know, mm-hmm. even in the colonization, you know, Islam is discussed, uh, you know, so um, but when it has been discussed, it's been discussed as different. You know, it's been portrayed as different, which in a way is true, mm-hmm. but in a way it's not true as well. You know, so we've got this kind of real thing. And then, of course, the racial element and our religion has been mm-hmm. racialized. It is racialized, mm-hmm. um, you know, to actually um, take part in what are supposed to be incongruent identities. It's mm-hmm. not easy. It's not easy as well. So do, do you've, mm-hmm. you're saying you're coming into your own. Do you feel there's ever been an experience where you've... Um, felt uh you know tastes of um feeling coherent or anything like that or you know or any wins regarding your identity 
yeah that would be very very recently i mean extreme i mean i moved back to wales um august last year Mm-hmm. and i've made that very public <laughs> and i i yeah, thank you very much and by the way on a side note if i wasn't welsh i would have wished to be scottish and i'm not just saying that because i'm on your podcast no you're very have... welcome we do accept <laughs> refugees okay. um i would have loved to have been scottish otherwise um you can still anyway. can be you still can be <laughs> just come along and that's you all right okay inshallah um honorary you know um no but I I feel um I very much feel very close to my roots and I think that was a result of you know like I said I'm a deep thinker so therefore I must be quite analytical as well without even realizing and um you know after my second divorce which Mm. I'm happily talk about there's no shame in it it is Mm -hmm. life it's color and all of that um you know I started to realize that living in London wasn't for me I was changing as a person I was growing and I wanted to come home and home is literally where your heart is as cheesy as that sounds it really is Mm -hmm. and London wasn't it after 28 Mm -hmm. years London was not it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. coming home meeting people who are similar similarly minded yep in terms of how I think about you know uh identity um yeah it's been a breath of fresh air and um, breath of fresh air an interesting thing about this, uh, yeah. you know, where you are, is it is it in a city that's ethnically diverse? I know myself, I've moved back to the countryside mm. and, and, and I feel the whiteness, you know, like um, I never saw it when I was growing up and never, it yeah. wasn't something I understood. Mm. Um, and I miss, you know, sometimes I feel I really need to get some different people around me as well. Yeah. Um, is it similar to yourself? Are you in a big city with a kind of a big mix? Or yeah, so I'm in the capital. Mm, um and I, I i chose the capital it just worked out that i would come here and not go back to swansea because ideally my heart actually is in swansea and i'm hoping Aye. to travel further west at some point ah. um inshallah ta'ala, that that's the plan mm. um i'm very conscious of the fact that i'm wearing hijab right and that's actually my struggle because remember you asked me earlier on about alcohol and stuff that's a breeze mm-hmm. that's nothing yep. to me Whereas the hijab mm-hmm. is now a bit of a, of a muscular, <laughs> it's a bit of a problem mm. and, and a bit of contention, which alhamdulillah is still on, as you can obviously, you know, um, I can oh. actually see the brother who I'm talking to so he can see me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I'm noticing, I mean, I felt like this for a long time anyway. I'm very much, I'm much more conscious of the fact that I'm white in a hijab or that I'm wearing Islam on my head. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that I'm Muslim. I would rather people not see I'm Muslim. That doesn't mean to say mm-hmm. I would rather... N- not to wear hijab i just would like to just walk down the street and not and everyone not bat an eyelid to be honest and it, I, at the end of the day you know i do live in a diverse community but it's 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 different to london london it was more south asian arab black african caribbean whereas you know here it's indigenous welsh people which is great my family are indigenous welsh people but i've noticed for example on a weekend in particular if I go to lo- the local supermarket, which is um, not far from where I live, I'm more likely to get looked at, even if it's just a look, a glance. I'm not just not saying anything negative. It's not necessarily a dirty look. I, I don't know and I haven't noticed, but I've noticed people looking more, even though all were wearing masks, for example. Of course, and it's, it was a big change yeah. um, uh, for my wife as well. Putting that uh, mask on, it becomes yeah. niqab, and, and niqabis are treated differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's ironic because I thought, well, you look just like me. You just haven't got a yeah, scarf exactly. on. Like, hello. Oh. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm just very um, observant of my environment. 
or whether I'm being paranoid, to be honest. But I have noticed it and, and I am very much well aware. Like, for example, you've just said you moved to the countryside. Well, I don't think I could have that luxury mm-hmm. because of how I look. It's, it's quite I interesting. I think it's it's quite funny because this is sort of one of the kind of cultural differences. You know, I mean, mm. like it's one island. It's pretty much the same culture. Yeah. You know? But ironically, there's a huge feeling that like, um, whereas I think in England, it must be the same in Wales. I wasn't sure, you know, in England, moving to the countryside, it mm. feels like you might get more xenophobia. Mm. Um, it's almost like the opposite up here uh, where okay. you get, yeah, people are a bit more like just really you know, a, a aggressively friendly. Um, it is, it's really good, Marshall, and it's, it comes from sort of deep roots as well. Um, I think there's almost an element of kind of like a desire to be connected. So, mm. you know, if you've got someone of a diversity, um, you know, uh, ethnic minority, et cetera, et cetera, it's almost kind of like this, uh, you know, desire to be connected to the wider world in a way mm. as well. Mm. So it's a different story. But, you, you know, you think if you move to the countryside that, you know, it would be harder for you as well. Yeah. Well, that, that's my assumption. You know, there's mm-hmm. no fact in that. It's, it's just mm. an assumption I would make. And that's probably, again, from my fears. Um, one of the reasons oh, why I didn't move. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't move back to Swansea is because the areas I was looking into, my sister was telling me, no, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't go there. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I've already had issues. I had issues in London, mm-hmm. you know, with neighbors. I ha- I've had issues here in Cardiff with neighbors. And the only thing I can put it down to, because I promise you I'm a nice person. <laughs> um, the only thing I could put it down to is the way I look. I, I don't know what else it could be. It's such a difficult thing to reverse, isn't it? You were talking earlier about kind of like feeling of paranoia, but it's like, it's a case of like, you know, you know there will be, it will be there sometimes and it won't be, but it can be mm. exhausting just yeah. thinking, is it this, it is. is it not? It's something that people don't realise um, mm. that's going to be going through your head. Yeah. Maybe every day, you know. So, yeah. Marshall, I may mean, reward you for the struggle. You know, I mean, it's I'm certainly, um, you know, Marshall, one of the biggest issues, the, mm. the, the job, Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I want to, you know, kind of go go through because mashallah, very interesting the different things you talked about. Um, you talked about getting through trauma, and you, you were talking about you were married twice. Mm. Um, and I know you've talked about this in, in previous podcasts. Yeah. You know, short version. Uh, these were difficult, and the second, yeah. as far as I'm aware, was very brief, and uh, you know, certainly <laughs> worse. And uh, but you sort of made, let's say, what seemed from my end, of course, uh, to mm. be a very wise decision to end that. But that's not easy, you know, definitely not. Um, what has it been like as a Muslim going through that? And, um, you know, would uh, was there anything particular about being Muslim uh, that was difficult? Was there anything particular about being Muslim that helped? Um, going through the actual marriage or the divorce side of things, exactly? Um, well, um, I think focusing on <laughs> focusing on adversity i, I okay. think you know, not to be too negative you know no, but um you know going through that just just as one of the interesting talking points you put down um you know hmm. was, was there was there benefits and were there difficulties yeah absolutely i think with i think you know at the end of the day you know the one thing i've had to keep in mind and i still have to remind myself to this day is that you know you know um do you say you believe and think that you will not be tested as those were tested before you so i had to keep that in mind and it's a uh, it's Stuff for it's a terrible cliche what i'm gonna say but it, it's kind of like a big cross to bear i told you it's a terrible mm-hmm. cliche um hmm. um and it, it i think it was problematic in many ways because as i mentioned i've been married and divorced twice again i'm not at all ashamed of that because again it, that's cutter yeah 
it might be worth saying, uh, like maybe to, to whatever detail, um, to be clear why you, and you decided to end both of them yourself. Oh, so yeah. Um, so the first one I was married, he's the father of my children. I still have to co-parent with him. Um, yes. You know, there were lots of red flags I didn't see at the beginning. I'm not going to go into too much detail because obviously we don't have time anyway. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I I could talk for Britain. So, um, you know, God, domestic violence. But again, domestic violence isn't just physical. People need to understand that domestic violence is a whole host of things. Um, Mm. Financial abuse, emotional abuse, Mm. psychological Mm -hmm. abuse, religious Mm -hmm. abuse, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that with him from the get-go literally the first week of being married I remember he came home and he had a go at me and I can't remember which way around it was but it was he had a go at me it's either putting too much in the wash machine or not enough in the wash machine and I can't remember which way around it was but it was over the blooming wash machine and that yeah, shocked yeah. me mm. because I had been you know I had quite I've been used to doing things for myself from a very young age at home for various different reasons so and that just progressed to other things and the whole the fact that he lied to me about many things and deceived me about many things so yeah it was it was basically dead from the get-go and didn't improve um and it got to the point where oh god he had given me talaks and I had asked for khula and it, it sounds it sounds ridiculous it really does actually looking back on it and how it sounds but that's how it went and it got to the point where we didn't even speak we mm. wouldn't even say maybe out the whole week we probably wouldn't even speak a couple of words to each other mm-hmm. it was just friction a lot of tension there's a lot of res- I'll be honest there's a lot of resentment from my side and you know ended up um getting into kind of like a, another argument again over something you know lack of communication and then he ended up giving me talaq and it was just it was just mad it was a clear decision by, by the end a, yeah it was yeah is quite clear on these things yeah well. uh, but it, i was happy that he gave me talaq i was like yes thank you um although it was a big weight off my shoulders and then this is not to kind of be little marriage or divorce that's not what i'm doing but the point of the matter is it was my way out and when you're I in a it quite inspirational just sorry there's all you sorry a delay when i'm interrupting but okay. you know i find it so uh, you know inspirational uh, to talk mm. about these things because it's what it's a huge issue in this country i mean not just for muslims yeah. you know um yeah. and uh, mashallah it's um, yeah it's so inspirational um and and so so sad that similar uh things happened again in this the second marriage as well yeah, yeah the, the second yeah the second one very briefly was a case of massive narcissism like he is he's quite clearly i think he's got npd i think he's i think he has narcissistic personality disorder and i would go that far and say that um you know uh, and his mother <laughs> as well and um I, you know the first marriage was eight years the second one was nine months and i yeah, yeah. can honestly tell you the nine month marriage was worse mm-hmm. And I wrote, you know, I, I had seriously traumatized by it because mm-hmm. I had gone from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. You know, I, I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. I didn't give my, my uh, I didn't give myself time to heal um, and reflect mm-hmm. over everything. I, I married this guy quite quickly and the way he found me as well probably wasn't the best. And there were so many. Oh, God, sorry. I keep hitting the mic. Oh, okay. um, there are so many different nuances and, and factors surrounding the whole thing. Yeah. But long story short, he just horrible horrible human being and um his family too i was not accepted by them culturally you know again you asked yeah. me whether it was easy or not as a muslim well was it easy enough just being me uh let alone a muslim because apparently being muslim wasn't enough anyway um mm-hmm. you know they come from a particular community who are known to be very i'm gonna just basically say stuck up um yeah. Yeah. and um think very highly of themselves yeah. um 
and it got to the point where alhamdulillah alhamdulillah Allah kind of changed the way I was thinking of feeling because my mind was starting to realize that there was something not quite right yeah. so when when you did this I mean did mm. you did you contact any religious authorities to discuss it or anything like that or was it kind of, no. did you no mm-hmm. okay so um I think I know what you're referring to so ironically very briefly I asked for khula okay. um the second time around the night of my sister's wedding ironically and the reason why I say that, because it was that week, it was, it was, it was a week after I had last seen him where my heart completely changed. Mm-hmm. My eyes were literally opening to what was going on. And even more so because he had threatened, by this point, he had threatened to hit me. He had yeah, put me yeah. down. His mother had caused so much fitna. You don't even want to know. Behavior, yes. So many things over the course of nine months. I mean, I could write a book. And I contacted him. I plucked up the courage to contact him. And I said, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, this isn't working. I said, I realized that you are not, you know, basically I'm not being treated the way I should. You and your family are not treated me how I should. And I realized after my sister's wedding that I need to get out. I deserve better. He had a go at me. He started to turn it all around to me, which is what they do. He didn't like the fact, mm-hmm. basically he didn't like the fact I was in control. And um, because that's what it's all about with these with these types of men. Mm-hmm. And I asked for khula and without hesitation, he gave it. And mm-hmm. I made sure I wrote it down and mm-hmm. I did write it down. I still have the document to this day because you never know what they'll turn around and say. So mm-hmm. I sent it to him by email. Sounds ridiculous, but I did sent it to mm-hmm. him by email. He signed it and gave it back. You don't need to go to any religious mm-hmm. court if he accepts it there and then. Oh, oh, of course, of course. More more what I was thinking was, you know, oh, like... um. No, no, no problem. You're fine. Um, this much is beneficial. Uh, you know, mm. if people are facing similar situations, you know, finding their way through it, you know, yeah. we need to have voices uh, around this, these issues. Um, I was more thinking, you know, in Glasgow, for example, there was an excellent okay. organization called Unity Family Services, okay, which is good at supporting uh, mm-hmm. people through these, puts people in touch with Sheikh, you know, who are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, qualified in things like counseling as well mm-hmm. as, um, you know, Sharia, as well as marriage law. And, you know, I mean, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that, that was available to you at the time? Is it something that went through your mind? <sighs> I think no it wasn't it didn't go through I, at least I don't remember it going through my mind we're talking 2016 so um I was in a really dark place mm-hmm. so I know I wasn't thinking straight so to speak anyway mm. the only person I probably contact well people I probably contacted were probably some friends of mine who were supportive actually and you do realize who your friends are in times like that you really do mm-hmm. um people who I never expected to be there for me are closer to me now than other people who I thought were close to me, if that makes any sense. Um, and my wakil or wali at the time who I sacked in the end, because I found that he um, was incredibly biased and didn't actually see, he didn't see the wood for the trees. Well, obviously, you know, with what I was going through, mm-hmm. he wasn't particularly helpful. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very dark and isolating time. I mean, there's no exaggeration. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, the end of from September because it was in September where when I asked for color uh, throughout the end of 2016 and pretty much all of 2017 was an incredibly incredibly dark time for me. I what? was this close to leaving Islam because mm. I had had enough, yeah. and you can hear it in my voice now. Yeah, I mean it's it's clear you know that um, you know, and I don't know point fingers anyway because the thing is a lot of the time there's not uh, an infrastructure in place and Mm. this is a big thing i always want muslims to know when you become muslim is mashallah we learn about muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam mashallah prophet of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mashallah you know 
the mm. kindest, the most uh, trustworthy, etc. Mashallah, uh, you know, Muslims fall short of this. You know, Muslim, mm. we don't have a community like the Sahaba. May Allah be pleased with them. Mm. You know, like oh, Muhammad peace be upon his companions. Yeah. You know, may Allah be pleased with. Them. Well, look, um, you know, actually, um, it's clear that the idea of a supportive Muslim community, maybe it's not coming across in the story, and uh, you know, and and. Um, yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, with, with London, what I noticed when I was in London, I mean, there are organisations, whether they're up to par, that remains to be kind of decided upon. I mean, Me, I don't not think maybe so. meeting the, the huge needs that are, yeah, that are yeah, there. They don't. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't. And um, while there is a particular charity out there that does, ha- you know, help reverts, as they call them, um, they tend to come in after the damage has been done, which is great because you need that too. Mm. Um, and... I think for me, yeah, nobody really met the needs, my needs in particular. Um, I kind mm-hmm. of had to figure things out for myself. Yeah, as we do normally, but, but, yeah. but you know, we'd hope that there was a... You yeah, know, exactly. Ma- mashallah, yeah, ideally, yeah. ideally, inshallah. Yeah, mm. yeah I, I, didn't, I, di- I didn't have the confidence that that particular charity, and I, I don't want to be rude because they have done some amazing work. Yeah, and this is, this is yeah. the thing is, I think it's always like, um, you know, mashallah, you know, these things are, we were talking, I was, we were talking last week about an organization that helped lots of Muslims, but you'll mm. always find, uh, you know, gaps. It's, it's, yeah. it's not it, not enough in a way. Um, fallen, there's fallen shorts quite common. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Huge exactly. needs. Sometimes it's just the needs are too much as well, but, um, but certainly you weren't, you, you didn't feel like you could fall back mm. on the mm-hmm. community. Yeah, it's very isolating. I mean, even with your own family, because my family yeah. aren't Muslim, I'll guide them all, mm. I mean, yours and mm. mine, I mean. Um, you know, and the thing is as well, with with the way how we do things in Islam with regards to nikah and, you know, divorce, because mm-hmm. it's so different, <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, I haven't asked, but I, I don't really think they saw my nikah as being valid anyway, like a marriage, like right. they would a normal marriage or a divorce d- as they would a normal divorce. Yeah. I think it was just kind of uh, like, oh, I'm really, I feel really bad for you. There, there, you kind of get over it type of thing. So you did, did you not get it legally? Did you get legally married? At all? Oh, I should Any explain. Problem? No. Both and actually, right. act- mm-hmm. yeah, and actually, funny enough, there's a whole debate over that. Mm-hmm. I'm on the fence with that one. Mm-hmm. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because of what I've said earlier. If I give mm-hmm. the example of how easy it was for me to walk away. I mean, yeah. fair enough, he could, you know, with the first example, he gave me a talak and we split. We actually separated mm-hmm. a little while before mm-hmm. that because he was arrested. He spat at me and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, brutal. yeah, it was, yeah. And then the second one, he gave me color straight away. Now, can you imagine how long it would have taken for me to have gone through mm-hmm. the courts and done mm-hmm. this and done that just to get what is it uh what's it called the mm-hmm. dissolving of a marriage i can't remember annulment perhaps or, or yeah i've yeah. forgotten the um mm-hmm. latin name mm-hmm. it would have taken ages and how much money would it have cost me to do yeah. that so realistically yeah. way it's, it's interesting it's very interesting i mean i've only heard you know the other side and, and in fact um you know been seen a huge campaign to, to push mm. it um you know and saying that i hadn't my nikah in um 2011 Mm. and it was in 20 um it's not as important to me in a way Mm. do you know i mean the 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 official um legal marriage but it was in 2019 yes that i that we did that um can i make a point though to add on to that yeah please sorry to interrupt you now if you if you if you look at the way these marriages and these men work you have to understand that they Mm. probably wouldn't want to register anyway and i know they didn't i know my first husband definitely didn't and my second husband yeah no why is that well, exactly. I mean, you kind of right. think you kind of yes. Yeah, so that this is kind of for me, you know, just to just to see, you know, I'm, I'm, 
you know, I'm on the fence. I mean, I'm always open, but yeah. uh, you know, um, I think it, I think there's a clear thing, which I think in the normal case, mm. there's such huge protections legally. You know, mm. um, property theft, and, and you know, because yeah. what we're talking about, as you say, is let's just say there's atypical situations where people mm. are not trustworthy. But you know, it's it's not much to ask that people formalize things. Much yeah. is, is that not what marriage is in a way, Spanola? And definitely, the, you know, among the ulama who are, you know, mashallah, doing nikahs and like mm-hmm. masjids that do nikahs, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the way it works legally, um, mm-hmm. but for the license, you know, I'm certain that there must be some stipulations that, you know, you'd have to do it officially and so on, mm-hmm. um, mashallah. Well, mm-hmm. you know what, a huge debate. Um, mm, it and is, mashallah, it is. Certainly and worth looking yeah. into, yeah, and, and speaking to the ulama. I mean, as far as, I mean, certainly, you know, I'm, uh, you know, uh, around scotland and and far as i can see among masjids among organizations there's mm. a huge there's a huge push for for that mm. uh the the um to get it legally uh, registered at the same time mm-hmm. and i think because of the uh, you know recognizing legal protections um mm. but as you say you know but you can move away quickly and so on but you know let, let's let's leave that hanging and inshallah you know you're welcome back inshallah mm-hmm. um later on as well um but um, what I was uh, wanting to to go on to um, lastly was, you know, just um, about the, uh, you know, how, how did, you know, you were very close to leaving Islam. You, it must mm. have been a struggle with the religion, perhaps when these people represented the religion and so yeah. on. Um, what was it, you know, that kind of kept you going? My belief in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And obviously all the tenants you know that, that's a given but um mm-hmm. yeah because <laughs> it was so hard it was hard because of all the the thoughts i was having in my head you know i i had such it was like a battle it was like a war of the words but it wasn't words it was thoughts i, I don't know how to describe it I, i'm also very tired so <laughs> um, no, it's ramadan it's, it's, it's ramadan and I'm like, for desperate for a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> desperate for my rosalie um but um yeah the, my thoughts oh my god the thoughts in my head it was so hard i've never I mean, I, I know being married was difficult. I, I definitely agree. But this particular divorce, oh my goodness me. And I, I really did feel like shaitan was beating me while I was down. I honestly did. I mean, I I, I never gave up my salah, alhamdulillah. I mm-hmm. never took off my hijab, although boy, that was on my mind. Because mm-hmm. I was like, what's the point? And all sorts of other things were going through my head. But I kept it on. And I even if I dragged myself to that prayer, and I literally mean dragged myself yeah. to fulfill my fard, I'm mm-hmm. not obligation. I did that, but I'm glad I did. You know, that, you know, Subhanallah. Um, it's not easy. We we talked about um, no. you know trauma in uh, a couple of shows back, and it's it's not always easy to to mm-hmm. bow down after such difficulties. Literally, as you said, yeah, it's it's it was really really difficult. And sometimes, you know, people say you know you should make more dua and stuff. Well, actually, sometimes in that situation, you don't. You kind of numb. Mm-hmm. You know, you you become very numb to everything, and mm-hmm. it it can become robotic. So making dua is actually a jihad. Mm-hmm. It's actually a struggle. Oh, I'm allowed to use that word. Yes. Um, it, it, it's it's a struggle. It, it's not mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. Oh, just do this, just do that. Well, you're not me, so don't tell mm-hmm. me what I should be doing because I don't feel like doing that. You mm-hmm. don't want to hear religious rhetoric. You don't want to hear any of that stuff mm-hmm. because actually that was the problem at the time. Yeah. Because what yeah. you just said as well, you know, and my opinion is and i could be uh, sorry be completely wrong because i don't know um what it's like for a male convert to islam to be honest with you i really don't but i really do feel that sisters get a hard hard um rap so to speak i really do where we have to Mm -hmm. you know if you're clued up enough 
yeah you know what to look out for if you don't have a clue mm-hmm. you're left mm-hmm. to the wolves um, yeah yeah there's certainly um there are certainly challenges that are there for sisters that aren't there for uh, for brothers you know i'm sure there are for us but um they're, they're quite uh, visible you know maybe slightly more distance from the ulama you know yeah. a slightly more distance from the ulama um due to different things um as well as i, I sometimes feel like um you know that, that it's a bit easier for for guys um mm. in a mosque uh, i was speaking to my wife about this you know it's almost like girls uh, sisters go in uh, groups and stay in these groups whereas a lot of guys will go alone to the mosque mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. uh you don't have as much of that grouping as Allah alam but what we'll do is i'm, I'm going to kind of uh, sort of uh, abruptly um kind of draw things to a close mashallah um i want to thank you so much uh for, for sharing these things alhamdulillah uh you know so important you know and it's my hope that inshallah people who who listen to this you mm. know um i hope nobody has to go through of course mm. what you've had to go through but you know these are our journeys they are varied mm. and these are our, you know our, our ways and mashallah we'll, we'll be getting selfies all we're getting like anti-selfies you know it's okay selfies you know inshallah, everybody on the show mashallah yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully this can help, uh, you know, people to, you know, devote themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala easier, not feel alone, I hope, yes. I hope, inshallah. Um, but there's two questions that I gave you before the show as well. Okay. Um, the first one was, you know, what bit of advice uh, would you give someone if they became Muslim uh, right now? The one piece of advice, what's a male or female? Oh, gosh. Um, Whatever you like. I think... Just don't rush into everything. I'm gonna go back to that. I think that I think that's everyone or most people would say that. Just don't mm-hmm. rush. You're not gonna be an expert or something. You started today, tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? It's not gonna happen. It's not like how you've been speaking your mother tongue for years and years, or you've been walking for years. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, it's not like that, and you can't expect yourself to be like that. And people shouldn't expect that of you either, because unfortunately, and I do believe that as converts in particular, we are expected to be a certain way that maybe heritage or born Muslims, if you want to use that terminology, aren't expected to be. Like sometimes it's actually acceptable within families for sisters. For example, the the big one is hijab, right? So Mm. it's almost almost okay if a born Muslim doesn't wear one, although I think most people, you know, but when it comes to converts, Mm. oh, you must do this and you must do that and you must do this and you must do that and you must stop doing this and you must stop doing that overnight. No, you know, take your time um find yourself because i mean going goes back to identity be comfortable in your own skill skin sorry from whichever ethnic or whatever background you're from Mm. as a new muslim and take it bit by bit because there's no point rushing before you can there's no point running before you can walk it's not going to work and it's not sustainable either Mm -hmm. muhammad he said this this religion this deen is all-encompassing so enter into it gradually mashallah alhamdulillah beautiful piece of nisa beautiful piece of advice her sister um and uh yeah mashallah could 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 only echo it um the other thing I w- we always ask and we're going to make up inshallah a jigsaw of you know kind of uh, things that uh, we would like to see uh what is uh one thing that you would like to see for people who embrace islam uh today um if you're talking with regards to like a support network then yes that would definitely be what i would um like to see i would like to see more 
um mentoring of muslims i think that's what we're doing we're trying to establish that here in cardiff alhamdulillah it's actually going quite well so far um there's lots of mentees and we have trained lots of mentors and inshallah i will be a mentor at some point when i'm ready Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. post ramadan because i'm no good to anybody like this right now Mm -hmm. um yeah just mentorship really you know sincere like the ansar may allah be pleased with them you know um similar to that mentorship guiding brothers and sisters to worshiping Allah, not to any particular madhab or theological school, but mm. to worshiping Allah, mm. uh, teaching them how to pray, um, making sure they know the um, tenets of faith, you know, the five pillars, the six pillars mm. of Iman. I'm just going to quickly break my fast in the middle of this conversation. Yes, please do. No, no, please do. I was just a bit concerned for that. So, uh, what? You've got long, long days. I know you guys have, subhanAllah. I thought mine were long. Alhamdulillah. That, that's, that's really good. Um, but yeah, just 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 having a guy, just having like a holy hand, someone who's preferably mm-hmm. been there, done it already, bought the t-shirt. Mashallah, yeah. Well, alhamdulillah, I, I really want to um, you know get some information uh, mm. about your your system there because um, it's certainly something okay. that it's a, you know I think I think it's something that so many people who become Muslim know they just you seem to know that's what we need you know um and uh, marshall there's there's a lot of there is a lot of good work out there yes um but that's one thing you know that, that we don't see as much of um certainly well sister mashallah pray that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know provides uh, us what we need inshallah and inshallah. Uh, you know helps us um through any traumas that we we have mm-hmm. but uh, may allah help us uh, when we do meet these Ameen. tests I mean. and uh, inshallah help us to you know feel comfortable in our identities you know mm, as, they, yes. as they change and so on i mean yes uh, mashallah. Exactly. uh well Sister, I just think okay. I have to thank you uh, massively for coming along and uh, just ask that you make dua for us as well. Likewise, well. please. Yeah, uh, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, we're going to begin to uh, build up a bank of recordings, inshallah. Um, and I would also, also ask uh, you guys to search out the um, Converts unplugged unplugged i was gonna say uncovered i was like i was like it's not that no <laughs> what <laughs> um converts unplugged mashallah which is a great yeah. podcast and you know one thing i really loved about the podcast was you know that i've listened to a lot of podcasts so much focus on journey to islam you know mm. um but you know hearing people you know like ourselves that have been muslim for you know over a decade you know a couple of decades that kind of stuff um you know I don't hear a lot of these voices, you know, we get busy, caught up in work, all these kind of things, but mashallah, um, you know, I hope that um, these voices can be so helpful. So may Allah reward you for that too. I mean, absolutely. You know, the one thing we want to do before, I know you've got to go, but the one thing I wanted Mm -hmm. to, we wanted to do with podcasts was to um, also help new Muslims and also show the vast differences between somebody who's taken Shahada, say 20, 30 years ago to now. It's so different. Yeah. I mean, yes, we, I mean, obviously, in terms of support, there's much more of that now. I understand that. But the dyna- the dynamics, rather, and the um, uh, the society was much different mm-hmm. then. I think it was mm-hmm. much more spiritual back then. Was mm-hmm. now, it seems to be more esoteric or esoterical. Mm-hmm. Um, and not so heart-connected, which mm-hmm. I think, inshallah ta'ala, I, I would like to think, you know, people would try to establish that more so than worry about what yeah. they look like. MashaAllah. Yeah, you know? yeah, subhanAllah. And it's so different. It's, it's been lovely to uh, get a flavor yeah. of what things are like around the country and uh, inshallah hopefully lead to some joined up thinking as well. Because be amazing, um, yeah. it is quite it is quite diverse, mashaAllah, and, mm-hmm. and so on. 
sister, yes, look, go. I'm, I'm, I'm let you go as well because I'm, I'm eager for you to, to eat and get strong, inshallah, for the, for the prayer and make the best of the last 10 days, inshallah. Well, keep us in your du'as. Um, next, we'll uh, next time we're going to be back with um, uh, sister Anne, who uh, has been Muslim for decades and decades and decades. I'm not going to say how many decades, but mashallah, plenty of stories and uh, inshallah, hopefully a lovely reminder too. Thank you very much. You're welcome. As, uh, this has been the Embrace Conversations podcast, I might add as well. And as